We're continuing our study through the book of Acts. Two weeks ago, we talked about Peter's vision, about the sheet being dropped down to him with all these unclean foods on it. And God told him to go eat, and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And God says, don't call anything unclean that I have declared clean. And what he was doing, he was telling Peter that it's now time to bring the good news to the Gentiles, to people outside the Jewish faith. No exceptions. So what he does, he goes to the house of Cornelius at the Spirit's instructions, and there he finds a godly man who wants to know the truth. He preaches to them. The family gets saved. And the rest of chapter 10 is actually Peter recounting how he came to be there. It's just reiterating what happened in chapter 9 and how God was including the Gentiles and that he was there because God had sent him. And the chapter 10 concludes, or that part concludes with the Holy Spirit baptizing everyone there who had heard the message. In Acts 10, 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, if you look at the first verse, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all to hear the message. In other words, the Holy Spirit interrupted the sermon to baptize the people. He wasn't, wasn't on Peter's agenda. He didn't have it on his list of things to do for the day. He didn't plan in advance for this to happen. The Holy Spirit interrupted what Peter had planned to do to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. And he didn't stop God from doing it. How many people are so tied to the, to the agenda they say, not right now, God. I'm still preaching. I haven't had my altar call yet. We need to leave room in our plans for God to move. Not according to what we want or what we plan. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit doing what he wants to do. Not even here, but in our lives. It's entirely possible for God to show up and interrupt what we plan to do to do what he wants to do. And isn't that why we're here? We're here not to accomplish our agenda, to accomplish what we want to do. We're here because we want God to show up. And we want God to do what he wants to do. Now, God works through planning. There's no doubt There's God works through agenda. But we have to be open to what God wants to do. And I, I would be super excited. Well, right here, the Holy Spirit showed up during worship. I would be powerfully excited if people got saved before I had an altar call. Because that's the Holy Spirit working. We want the Holy Spirit to work. This also is an example of someone or a family being baptized with the Holy Spirit at the point of conversion. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen occasionally. Even the apostles couldn't believe that it happened there. Acts 10.45 says, The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So they were amazed that the Holy Spirit was given at that point and to Gentiles to boot. And notice how they recognized that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Verse 36, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Want to know how you baptize in the Holy Spirit? Speaking in tongues. Now, we've said before that 
that we've classified that as an initial physical evidence. It happens at least once. It could stop at that point, or it can continue throughout your entire life. But at the point of baptism, the Bible makes it pretty plain that the evidence that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit is your ability to speak in other languages. Speaking in tongues was also a proof to Peter's friends who came with him. Now, Peter came with an entourage of people with him. Peter was the only one that actually saw the vision of the sheet and the food. And so the being baptized in the Holy Spirit was a proof to the people who came with Peter who didn't have that vision that exactly what Peter said was true, that it was not just Jews, but Gentiles who were also called to be a part of God's family. That's our second example of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, 4 being one. This third one is in Acts chapter 19. We'll get to there eventually. So what happens next? The people are baptized, they're saved. God's moving in a powerful way. The Holy Spirit's just doing what he wants to do. Verse 46 continues and says, Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We've got a water baptism service coming up pretty soon in our lukewarm baptismal tank. <laughs> and we can make it chillier if you'd like. If you have not been water baptized, Peter said, as soon as they got saved, they should be water baptized as a testimony to themselves and their community. Now, water baptism obviously did not save Cornelius and his family. There is some teaching going around that you need to be water baptized to be saved. That's not correct. Baptism comes after the point of salvation when you are able to choose for yourself that you want to be baptized, you want to believe in Christ. But it also is a point that you are giving a testimony to the outward community of what has happened in your heart already. It's an obedience to what Jesus did. They were already saved. Now they're getting water baptized so that those around them and their family could see and they can experience what God's already done. Verse 48 says, Then, then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. These were new believers, brand new baby Christians. They needed someone to help them, to train them, to teach them. Peter stayed to help mentor them and prepare them for the time that he would have to leave. Now, this is an example of what Jesus called the Great Commission in Matthew. We call it the Great Commission in Matthew 28. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Notice the verse doesn't say, Go and make converts. It says, go and make disciples. In other words, teaching them and training them in the ways of God so that they're able to stand on their own, not just baby Christians that you just throw out to live on their own. Our job is to teach them and train them and encourage them so they become mature adult believers. Why do we have rangers? Why do we have... Uh, girls' ministry? Why do we have emerged youth? Why do we have adult Bible study? Because we're training the younger people, we're discipling them so that when they become adults, they already have a hopefully a firm foundation of God's Word. We don't bring someone to the altar, lead them to Christ, and then let them on their own. 
Our job is to teach them and to train them and disciple them and help them to become mature believers. That's the job of believers. That's the job of the church. So what happens after this all transpires? These Gentiles become believers. They get water baptized. They speak in tongues. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. What happens? Well, human nature kicks in with the people around them. Word spreads pretty quickly about God accepting people who weren't like them. Acts 11.1 says, The apostles and brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. I got to wonder how fast this news travels. There was no internet. There was no cable news. They have people in this town getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and water baptized. And all of a sudden, people in a different town find out about it. The Jewish Christians back home found out that the outsiders got the same blessing of salvation that they got. And they weren't too happy about it. Verses 2 and 3. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. In other words, you're hanging out with people who are not like us, who don't believe like us. How could you do that? Honest? You ever asked, you ever felt that way about some folks? That there are people that maybe we really shouldn't hang around with because they're not like us? Maybe they don't believe like us? How are we ever to share the gospel if all we do is hang around people that believe everything that we believe? Do you think that there are people that don't deserve the gospel, that don't deserve the blessings that we have? We mentioned this, I think, a few weeks ago. I know we talked about it on a Wednesday. Do you believe that there's people who have committed crimes that don't deserve heaven? Are you offended by the fact that maybe someone who was a serial criminal now gets saved? These folks were mad at Peter because he hung on and ate with folks and allowed them to share in the blessings that they received as Jews. In other words, we don't need outsiders in our camp. And besides, that's not what God wants. He wants all of us to be the same. There's a movie, it's, it's probably 15, 20 years old now. It's called Mississippi Burning. You ever see the movie? It's an older movie. It's basically like a semi-true story of the civil rights workers that were killed in the early 60s down south. And every time, I like the movie, but every time I watch it, I always get agitated because they portray Christians as being the ones who are behind the racism down there. My, my take is that probably they weren't saved to begin with. They were church people, not Christians. But I'm sure that there were a number of Christians that may have had the same feelings. Whenever I watch that, I get so agitated. And if you're calling yourself a believer, how can you act that way? How can you have those feelings and thoughts about other people? Now, hopefully that was, you know, several decades ago. Hopefully that's mostly gone by now. But I'm sure if you dig far enough, you'll find Christians that have the same attitude. We want people just like us. 
So Peter goes on to explain exactly how God set them up. Verse 4 says, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it, as it had happened. I'm not going to read the rest of it because he's just recounting what had happened to bring him to that point. It's just a rehashing of what we already studied. But the point is, Peter is explaining his testimony of how God directed him to that place. You ever feel God leading you somewhere? You feel this urge to just go somewhere to do something? Or maybe stop something or change something? You feel that, that still small voice telling you to go somewhere? We need to be ready to do that. We can't let being comfortable keep us from doing what God may be calling you to do. Now, this goes back to a point we made a few weeks ago, that if you trust the spiritual walk of someone, you, you know that they're, they're walking with God, they have a good relationship with God, they know God's word, and they spend time in prayer, and they really want his will to be done, then we should trust what God is telling them to do. Because he may be telling them something that is way out of what you think God should be doing. Because Peter was now directed to some place that had never happened before. The Gentiles had not been a part of it. They were never allowed to be a part of it. And now God's changing the whole thing up and bringing them in. And the people around him believed that. And not only did Peter have this testimony, he also had vindication by the Holy Spirit because the people were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you believe that God is directing you, we should see confirmations along the way. How many enjoy confirmations from God? How many don't get them as much as you would like to have them? I'm the kind of guy I wish I would see writing on the wall. I want the burning bush. I want audible voices. Of course, if I get audible voices, then I'm probably going to be in trouble. As long as I don't answer them, I'm okay, right? But God does allow confirmations along the way. They may not be as obvious as those, but I believe he does three different confirmations. God gives you the vision of what he wants you to do. It's, it's witnessed in your spirit. You have that confirmation. And then you witness God working through you to accomplish that. That's the Holy Spirit working through you. I, I know I've shared this before, and you're probably sick of hearing it. If you've been here long enough, you've heard it a thousand times which is funny because my old pastor used to say, give the same examples. And I would be able to quote them better than him because I heard them every week. But I remember my first time preaching, I went down to a church to preach, and I, you know, I was still up in the air about whether I was called or not. And I preached this sermon. I read basically my entire notes, and there was about one or two or three sentences that I spoke that I didn't have written down. Just This came out. And after the service, some lady came to me, and she said, you know, I really appreciate you know, what you said here. I think God ministered to me with those, with those sentences. And I'm thinking, that's the three sentences that I did not write down that God just put in my mouth to say. That's like a confirmation, you know, that God was able to use even me who just stumbled over everything I said and was spoke something through me that ministered to somebody else. So you get confirmation of the Holy Spirit working through you in some, some way or another. And then you get confirmation because God's word backs up what God called you to do. I used to hear these sermons all the time about these famous preachers who never wanted to be preachers, never wanted to be, and God called them to do it. And I just, you know, came kicking and screaming into the ministry and never wanted to do it, but God put me here. I always wondered about that because, you know, the Bible says those who desire 
the office of a leadership, desire a good thing. I thought, I would love to do that. That would be awesome to do that. So when I thought, well, everybody's got to be dragged in this thing, why, do I, why am I doing that? But the Bible says, if you desire to do that, it's a good thing. And I desired it. So it was a confirmation in God's word. And then all throughout Timothy and Titus, it gives you all the qualifications of this, and it backs up what you do. You should get confirmation of God's word. Acts 11.15 says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us in the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? If you're being directed by God, you will see things in your life that you can only explain by confirmations of God. If everything you're doing is because you have the ability to do it, and you see no supernatural acts, no Holy Spirit working, then maybe what you're doing isn't from God. Because I believe that God does confirm along the way. It may be little breadcrumbs. It may be small things. But I believe that God does give you confirmations along the way. You may read a passage of Scripture that encourages you. I remember one night I was reading, still going through Bible school, and the Bible says, the God who began the good work in you will bring it to completion. And I was like, that was for me. That God's going to, you know, I was a year into it. I got three or four more years to go. And that verse, like, God will finish it. You'll get through it. You'll finish it. So it was like a confirmation to me. God's word will do that for you. What was their response after they heard Peter's testimony? Verse 18 says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Christians are to accept each other and not dispute over cultural differences or minor matters of personal conviction. Because what was happening here was Gentiles wanted the Jews to become more like them, more Gentile, and the Jews wanted the Gentiles to become more Jewish. How many of us, when we get saved and you talk to someone else, you try to get them to become like you? I remember I, I came out of Catholicism, and the first thing, I, first thing I wanted to do was go get all the Catholics I knew and get them saved. You know, everything you're doing is wrong. Come over to my side. Not how that works. God uses and God trains, and it may be cultural differences that we're all cognizant of, we all know about, but not everyone is going to be exactly like we are. How many have been in churches where it's a lot more exuberant than us? Praise God. The same Holy Spirit that's here is the same Holy Spirit that's there. And each group is different from every other group. Now, verse 19 in that, at least in my Bible, marks a break in the chapter a changing of the stories. It begins a different account of what was going on. Peter's story was done, and now they're looking into something new that was happening somewhere else. Verse 19 says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. 
Now remember, that takes us back to Acts 8.1, where it says this, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church, and everyone was scattered. And so this verse is picking up on the people that were now scattered, and as they were scattered, they were preaching, they were going to different cities, preaching to each of these cities. And as they went, they were preaching, this group was preaching to the Jews. Now, what happens is, and same with us, you have a group of people within your sphere of influence, whether it's your work, your family, whatever it might be, God will send you to a certain people group so that you're able to minister to them. You may have more in common with them, you're able to witness to them more than another group. Um, I, I, was, I follow a guy, uh, Michael Brown. He, used to, he was part of the Pensacola thing years ago, and he does a, he's, he's a messianic believer. And he does a lot of ministry to, to Jews to help them to become Christians, become Messianic believers. And so I follow a lot of his stuff. And he is able to reach a people group that I cannot. And vice versa. So God was sending this group to tell the Jews. He was also sending another group to talk to the Gentiles. And that was what Paul was in charge of. Now this group may have been like Peter, ministering to Jewish people. The next group was like Paul, speaking to the Gentiles. God will send you to a group that you have influence over, that you have the ability to relate to and talk to about that. Verse 20 says, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about Jesus Christ. God will use us in an atmosphere that you are comfortable with and surround you with people that you have a like mind with to encourage them and to have a platform from which to preach and talk to them about Christ. Now, one commentary suggests this next verse applies to both sets of people, the ones who went to the Jews, the ones who went to the Greeks. It says, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So now you have two separate people groups, different cultures, different beliefs, forming one body, one church universal, but different congregations different congregations. They would probably have different styles of worship. They would have different styles of preaching. They would obviously differ in what they ate, maybe how they socialized. They were different in their social aspects, but same, worshiping the same God. The point is both of those groups were Christians. The perimeter items didn't matter. Didn't make anybody better than anybody else. It was what their culture was used to. And God would refine what they were used to. Just because it's cultural doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong either. God will modify that and form each group to honor him. Today we have several denominations. Here, various churches in different countries, all doing things a bit differently. But we all believe in the same Jesus. We all read the same Bible. We all believe in the death and resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So basically what we have today isn't a whole lot different than what they had in the early church. The difference was in the early church, other than them getting saved, they didn't have a whole lot and they had a lot of persecution they had to deal with. So why don't we get ahead of the game and be like the early church but not wait for the persecution to scatter us. 
Not wait for a hardship to come to drive us out to preach. Because I think that will happen. God will get the gospel out and use whatever methods he needs to do to do it. It's easy to sit around being comfortable, not wanting to work too hard, just waiting for the rapture. Anybody looking forward to the rapture? No, you're a no. Yeah, God will figure it out. Let God do that. I'm just going to wait for the rapture. That's not exactly how God planned it to be. Because after the rapture, there's not a lot of hope for those that are still here. So our job is to be able to do that. God's job, or God's desire, what the Bible says, he wants all men to be saved, men and women to be saved. And that's our job. That's our ministry. And we are blessed when we come here to worship and God pours his spirit out, but he does it for a purpose. He doesn't do it to keep it here. A friend of mine used to run our Youth for Christ back in Pittsburgh. He said, he would tell people, don't keep the faith. Give it away. We say, keep the faith. He said, don't keep the faith. Give it away. Our job is to give it away. Be like that little baby there. Don't let anybody dissuade you from talking. Don't let that binky stop you from sharing Christ. You speak out, little baby. You tell us how it's going to be. We want to be open to what God is using us for. And everyone here, I believe, will have a ministry somewhere to some folks because that's our job. That's our Great Commission. And what happens with the Great Commission, if we are faithful to it, we can, just like the verse says, we can see a great number of people turning to the Lord. We want to be ready for that. We want to be able to be used for that. We don't want to sit back and let others receive the glory and the credit for what God wants for us. How's that sleeping been going? question is are you ready are you willing because God will put that still small voice in your head to talk to reach out to do something to be there for somebody else how many people do you get to talk to in the hospital about Christ every time you're in a lot Rick's going to jail next week Just what, just what every preacher wants to hear. <laughs> but he's going to be able to minister to the folks that are there. All the hardship you went through. How many people did you lead to the Lord because of that? Out of all the hardship you've been through, how many people got to hear the gospel from you? There's one waiting for you. God will use you in whatever situation you're in you just have to be open to be being used. And the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, you can feel God urging you to do something, but you have the ability to say, mm -mm, I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to 
make that person feel bad or get into a debate. But maybe that person is really ready to hear something that you have to say. And you don't know it. Maybe they've been being prayed for by their family members and you're the person that God is sending to them to lead them to Christ. If we are faithful, we will see people turn into the Lord. Amen. Would you stand as we close this morning? Every head bowed, if you would, eyes closed. The whole book of Acts is about the birth of the church. And pretty much every account in the book of Acts is about bringing people to know Jesus. So it seems kind of repetitious to hear the same thing every week. But I believe that God puts every word in there for a purpose. So you may hear an altar call every week. You may hear the same type of sermon every week. But if we want to be like the book of Acts, if we want to experience the power of God in our lives on a daily basis, then we have to be about doing what they did in the book of Acts. And that simply means bringing people to faith, allowing them to see Jesus in us and allowing us to be willing to share that with them. I know it's tough sometimes. I know it's, it's tough to step out to someone you either don't know or someone you know really well and share about Jesus. It can be difficult. People cannot want to hear it. But we have to be willing to do that in spite of what may happen. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been here for a long time or maybe this is your first or second time in this church. As Jamie said at the beginning, you're not here by accident. You're here for a purpose. You're here for what God wants to do in your life. I'm not sure what that might be, but something that happened here today or is happening now is for you. Maybe you're not, you don't know Christ the way we're talking about. You know about him, you've heard about him growing up, but you don't have a relationship with him. You don't have a, a one-on-one time with Jesus. If you're here, that's why God brought you here. So you're able to develop that. You're able to accept what Christ has done for you as payment for our sins, for your sins. To bring you into a relationship with Christ where your sins are forgiven. And now you're guaranteed of heaven. God's word says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. It's a great comfort to know as you go throughout life that you are guaranteed of heaven. Not because of what you've done but because of what Jesus has already done in your place. If you've never accepted Christ, you've never really asked him to forgive you of your sins, then this is the time to do it. The Bible says, my spirit will not always strive with men. You may not get a second chance. If that's you and you want that relationship, you want to know you have eternal life, I want you to raise your hand right now. I'm going to believe all of us are committed followers of Christ. 
Maybe you're here and you're, you get nervous around people. You're not really sure what to say. You're not sure if you're going to embarrass yourself or maybe embarrass God while you're talking. The Bible, Jesus told the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll put the words in your mouth. But you have to open it. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about embarrassing God or embarrassing yourself. The Holy Spirit will prepare you for that moment. He will give you the words to say as you need them. He will give you the eloquence you need as you need it. We just have to be ready and willing to say something. Father, I pray, pray your blessings upon each person here this morning. I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. Allow them to really understand what a, what a significant part they have in spreading the word, allowing people to know Jesus. They are an important part of your plan. And without them, your plan will not go any further than them. So, Lord, I pray that you would equip them, you would anoint them with your spirit, you would open up divine appointments for them so that people hear about what Jesus has done. And, Lord, your spirit will draw them in, and they will become Christians. They will know what it is to follow Christ. We pray for continued protection upon our church and our church family. We pray for those who are suffering and, and going through difficult situations. I pray again your blessing and your provision and your direction for each and every person here. Lord, we have that intimate relationship with you. We're able to come to you at, any, at a moment's notice and present our needs and our burdens to you, knowing that you you hear us. You answer our prayer. You meet the needs upon our heart. You know what we need even before we ask. Father, it's, it's a blessing to know you, Jesus. And if we think it is such a blessing to know you, let's share that great news with the people we know. Bless us as we leave today. Allow us to experience your, your spirit every moment of every day, not just here, but at home and at work when driving the car. Allow us to realize that you're with us no matter where we go. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We commit our, our lives to you. Your word says we are not our own. We are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with our bodies. So, Lord, we want to honor you with all that we do. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Have a tremendous week. Let me know how God's working. Let me hear miracles and, and testimonies. It encourages the body of Christ.